Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. SBT Radio Studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. It is good to be back with you after a week off. Budweiser's weekday sports beat returns on this Monday, December the 11th of 2000. And 23, we are coming to you live from downtown South Bend on 960 AM WSBT. And I'm sure by now you know the socials. You can listen to us live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, a live video feed on the Twitch app. We've got two hours of Sportsbeat coming your way tonight here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We've got a full week of sports beat this week, and then we go quiet again for another week, one more week of vacation. And then I'll come back the day after Christmas on the 26th and the 27th for Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Then the 28th is the Sun Bowl. If we have enough players to play between the two teams, Notre Dame and Oregon State from El Paso, that's a 2 o'clock kick on December 28th. Game Day Sports Beat brought to you by Bud Light, featuring myself, Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com, Tyler Horka from BlueAndGold.com. It will air from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. No Sports Beat that day because you'll kind of have a Sports Beat with the official Notre Dame football postgame show with Jimmy Rizzeri and the legendary Irish running back, Reggie Brooks. But we'll enjoy a week together As we talk Notre Dame football, I'm sure a lot this week with a lot of things happening surrounding this Fighting Irish football team. And really, I don't know if you feel this way, it's almost at the end of the line of things to talk about is the bowl game. It just doesn't have that oomph, these bowl games that they used to have, in particular with the number of players opting out between Notre Dame and Oregon State. And the latest today... 
was Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman. He is not going to play in the Sun Bowl. That will lead our topics coming up here in just a moment on WSBT Radio. I do want to mention that we do have an opportunity for Notre Dame to win another national championship tonight. The Irishman soccer team is down in Louisville, 50 minutes away from playing in the national championship game against fellow ACC opponent, the Clemson Tigers. These two teams met in South Bend at Alumni Stadium September 9th, and Notre Dame won 3-2. to Two times this year, Notre Dame gave up two or more goals, one of those occasions against Clemson, but the Irish won 3-2, to and they'll try to win a championship tonight down in Louisville. I believe the game's on ESPNU, or I should say the soccer match. I'm sorry, I'm not a soccer guy. I may not get a lot of the terminology right. It's a soccer match, a national championship match between the Irish and Clemson, and I do believe it's on ESPNU at 6 o'clock. All the other ESPNs are in use tonight because we have two Monday night football games as we've got the Titans at the Dolphins and the Packers visiting the Giants at 8-15. We will have the Monday night game from New Jersey featuring the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants. Coverage starts at 7:45. Caveman Corner airs from 7 to 7:45 here on WSBT Radio. All right, let's get started with some Notre Dame football conversation. And we begin with Sam Hartman. This has been anticipated for about a week and a half, at least in my world. It finally became official today. As Hartman put out a five-minute video basically saying goodbye to college football. Within the video, he never truly says, I'm opting out of the Sun Bowl. It was very odd. But everything was confirmed by a Notre Dame spokesperson, and Hartman will not play in the Sun Bowl, despite telling us recently that he would be playing. Another game to go. Obviously, a lot of people have changed their mind about many things the last couple of weeks. But for Sam, it actually does make a lot of sense. And I truly believe Sam made the right choice. Here's why I think that way. Number one, your offense is not going to look like the offense he played with during the regular season. He's going to play in a bowl game that let's be very, very frank, is a low-level bowl game. I'm glad it's sold out. It's terrific. I'm happy for players for both sides. They get to play. They get treated like royalty down on El Paso. So it's wonderful these two teams get the opportunity to play one more game, but this is not exactly high up the ACC bowl pole. So it's kind of a clunker, especially with all of the players that Oregon State has had opt out. I saw their head coach in person up in East Lansing on Saturday at the Notre Dame-Michigan State hockey game. Jonathan Smith was there to drop the ceremonial first puck before game two. He left the program behind. That's his alma mater. So 
it's not a huge bowl game, not a lot of prestige. So that's one reason why I think Sam made the right choice of opting out. Then you look at the offensive line. How comfortable are you going to be with the line that could be out there? Now, left tackle Joe Alt has not said anything yet. Maybe he decides to play, and then that would alter my thoughts on the offensive line. But a top 10 pick playing in the Sun Bowl just doesn't seem likely. But you know what? Joe loves playing for this program, and he might want to play. Say the heck with it. I know the draft's coming. I know what I could get. Maybe he wants to play. We'll find out. My gut tells me he won't. We all lived through the Jalen Smith injury, and he was going to be a top-five pick, and that devastating injury in the Fiesta Bowl cost him being a first-round pick and changed the trajectory of his career. So, personally, I hope he doesn't play protect his stock, go into the draft process healthy. So if Alt doesn't play, we already know the right tackle, Blake Fisher's not going to play. He's declared for the National Football League draft, where I'm going to assume he's going to be an offensive guard. So the offensive line, if you lose both tackles, I'm not sure I'm going to be very comfortable about my health if I'm the starting quarterback. You're likely, if you're Sam Hartman, if you would have played in the Sun Bowl, you probably don't have your top running back. Audric Estime, he has not made an announcement yet. We're all assuming that he will opt out, but who knows? We'll see. The good news is for Hartman, if he was going to play in this game, you still have capable running backs. You just don't have the guy whose name would be on the marquee, Audric Estime. But still very capable. But how good will the running game be if those two tackles are both going to opt out? Again, Fisher has. We'll see about Alt. Then you think about who is Sam Hartman going to throw to if he plays in this game? I mean, yeah, there's some guys left, but there's a lot of guys that have left. You think about how the wide receiving core is decimated by departures. You don't have tight end Holden Stays, who went to the portal. You don't have Mitchell Evans, your other top tight end. He's out for the year, of course, with the ACL injury. So that's not very promising. Considering the struggles, the ups and downs of the offense, with all these guys I'm talking about in place. Now, granted, Oregon State might look, might let this group look awfully good if, if they continue to lose players. But it's not a great situation for Sam Hartman with all those individuals that are gone. Now, I think we could argue Sam playing another game at the collegiate level It's another opportunity to put his play on tape in front of NFL executives. But also you take a look at all those people being gone. The people replacing the people departing, are they going to help Sam Hartman put good stuff on tape? Sam Hartman does not have a great draft resume right now. 
He entered this year coming to a pro-style offense at Notre Dame, hoping to enhance his resume. And there were moments, and then there were those moments that the offense, not all because of Sam, had their issues. So, yeah, you could say put another game on tape, but I'm just not sure the personnel around him is going to guarantee him good stuff on tape, even if Oregon State is decimated by departures on the defensive side of the football. So all those things add up to me. Sam did the right thing. Would I like to him have played if everything was looking more normal? Absolutely. He's a college football player. Probably not going to have much of an NFL career. Maybe he hangs on for a while. We'll see. You've got the USFL, the XFL, the CFL. You've got other FLs to try to gain traction in front of the NFL. So I don't know if the Sun Bowl really makes a difference for him. It makes sense. I think he made the right choice with everything I mentioned. Sam did the right thing by opting out of this Sun Bowl game. You could also look at it, him stepping aside, give Steve Angeli a chance to show the coaching staff more what he can do. Again, not a full deck of cards, but Steve can go out there and, hey, make the most of the situation. So, yep, at the end of the day, I think Sam made the right choice. In fact, I had written most of yesterday, I'm sorry, most of today's show yesterday, and my first topic was why Sam Harmon should not play in this game. Well, we found out earlier today he's not, so I just kind of tweaked the title of the first topic session, why he did the right thing by opting out. And now Steve Angeli is your starting quarterback in 17 days in El Paso at the Sun Bowl. How about some of the other weekend news involving the Irish? Wasn't sure what direction this was going to go. But how about the return of interior defensive lineman Howard Cross? This is big, big news for this Fighting Irish football team. Cross sixth on the team in solo tackles with 27. He was number one on the defense in assisted tackles with 37. Howard Cross was second on this Irish football team in total tackles with 64. Add in six tackles for loss, tied for third on the team, one sack, four quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles, and two pass breakups. This is a six-year player that the Irish will have for the interior of their defensive line for the 2024 campaign. This is a pleasant surprise. You get an outstanding college football player back And this really helps the defense. I mean, personally, look a whole lot different than I thought it was going to do if, if Cross was going to go to the NFL. Did he not get great NFL grades? Boy, we're never going to know that. But a pleasant surprise to have one of the premier players. Or could you argue this might have been the MVP of the defense? Now, I know Xavier Watts got the national awards. But you could really argue Howard Cross was the MVP of this Fighting Irish defense. There are a couple of good choices, but Howard's name in the conversation. So getting cross back, plus, plus, plus news for the Fighting Irish. 
The Irish picked up another player out of the portal in Clemson wide receiver Bo Collins. Three years at Clemson, 91 catches, 1,290 yards, 11 touchdowns. This year was his best year with 38 catches for 510 yards and three scores. Collins said to On3.com, quote, there's no other program with the exposure and respect they have week in and week out. What also stood out to me was head coach Marcus Freeman and the respect that he already has throughout the program from the top down. Joining up with other ballers on the offense is going to be a sight to see in the near future, end quote. Not much talk about the coordinator or the scheme, but he's just excited to be a part of the football program. Most guys always mention Marcus Freeman when they talk about joining this football program. He was a four-star prospect coming out of high school, camped at Notre Dame, was a top 100 player in the class of 2021. I'm really intrigued by this because what's the narrative been? Clemson wide receivers just haven't been as good as they were during their run to the playoffs. Now Notre Dame has one of those wide receivers. It is a good veteran pickup. It is another piece to the puzzle in the wide receiver room. You had to add some wide receivers. Would I rather have Josh Kelly from Washington State? 100%. That's the guy to get, in my opinion. Maybe Notre Dame still has a chance. I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of buzz about Kelly and Notre Dame. But they have Bo Collins. Joining Chris Mitchell from Florida International as wide receivers out of the portal. Of course, Mitchell, 6'4". I'm sorry, he's 6'1", 175, 64 catches for 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. But he only had 36 catches his first three years. Plays a different style of offense than what Notre Dame does. I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. And we now have a wide receiver coach. What we probably knew was coming, Mike Brown is officially the Notre Dame wide receiver coach and starts right away. He leaves Wisconsin for Notre Dame, someone that Marcus Freeman has a relationship with from a previous stop in his coaching career. Finally, Oregon State, the opponent of the Irish in the Sun Bowl. My heavens, their roster looks nothing like the team that was ranked most of the year. Oregon State finished the year 8-4, and 5-4 in a very, very good Pac-12. Head coach Jonathan Smith, as I mentioned, he's gone. He's now the head coach at Michigan State. The quarterback position looks a lot different. Good old DJU is gone. Backup Aiden Childs to the portal. Looks like third string Ben Gulbernson will get the start. Attempted one pass this year, but actually has a handful of starts in his career from 2022, so not what you would call a newcomer to the starting position, but just not the guy you would expect to start the Sun Bowl. But DJU going back to the old portal after a really good year in Corvallis. An outstanding player, maybe their best player on the roster, offensive tackle Talese Fuja. He has opted out. He's probably going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Joe Alt and this guy have a lot in common. Wide receiver Anthony Gold, 44 catches, 718 yards, two touchdowns. He's not playing. Running back Damian Martinez, 
1,185 yards, nine touchdowns. He's not playing because he was suspended due to an arrest on suspicion of DUI. Linebacker Easton Mascarinas, leading tackler, 107 on the season, not playing. Defensive back Achille Arnold, fourth in the team in tackles. Nope, won't be in El Paso. Defensive back German McCoy, two interceptions, seven pass breakups. Sorry, not playing against the Irish. And you've also got a tight end and Jack Veeling, eight TD catches. Nope, not playing. And an opt-out today, another. Even the Oregon State kicker doesn't want to go to El Paso. Atticus Seppington, 13 out of 14 in field goal tries. He's not going to play in the Sun Bowl. That's some talented players right there. Not going to suit up for Oregon State against the Fighting Irish. But Notre Dame leveled the playing field a tad bit today with Sam Hartman announcing he is opting out of the Sun Bowl. And Steve Angeli, you are up. You are QB1 at the University of Notre Dame for the Sun Bowl on December the 28th. Coming up next, we'll talk about many of these topics with Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter from Blue and Gold Illustrated next as Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, including the Sun Bowl on December 28th, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 532 at WSBT. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday. Darren Pritchett with you, joined by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, to talk some fighting Irish football. But first, might I congratulate you. Your alma mater, Texas, made the college football playoffs for the first time. So can we now say Texas is back without getting in trouble? I guess. I mean... There are only four teams a year that get in there. I know Notre Dame has been one of those teams a couple of times, so it's a big deal, and it was pretty cool. I Because Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference and they don't play on conference championship weekend as a result, I actually got to go down to Arlington to be there for it. So good time with some family and friends, but um, now it's all back to Notre Dame all the time until January 1st when I can kind of switch back over to Texas. But a lot to talk about on the Notre Dame front, isn't there, Darren? Boy, oh boy. It, it's just been nonstop the last couple of weeks. All right, so today we found out, and we've been anticipating this probably for a week and a half, but quarterback Sam Hartman has decided to opt out of the Sun Bowl, which means his Notre Dame and college football career came to a close with what I called kind of a, a bizarre five-minute video that was released today mm-hmm. bottom line Tyler as you look at the situation did Sam Hartman do the right thing by opting out of the Sun Bowl uh there's so many ways to look at it was it the right thing for him maybe uh, it's not like he has a lot to lose by opting out he's not a Caleb Williams where I mean if you're Caleb Williams you're opting out of the Sun Bowl I don't even know what what bowl did USC get into is it the holiday bowl maybe something like that yeah. If you're a Caleb Williams, you opt out of that because you might be the number one overall pick 
in a couple of months. Sam Hartman might be a pick. Like, that's the best that he's got going for him. He might get picked in the NFL draft. So it's not like he had a lot to lose with an injury or anything like that. But he also doesn't have a whole lot to gain either. And it's not like he goes out there, throws five touchdowns and zero interceptions against the Oregon State team that has a bunch of opt-outs and whatnot on their side as well. That wouldn't have done much for him. So I don't know. It's, it's a personal decision at the end of the day. It might even have been a team decision, Darren. It might have been a thing where, I mean, these are the conversations that you have in college football in 2023 where a head coach and the whole coaching staff gets together with a player and says, hey, what does your future look like? And for Hartman, he doesn't have a future with Notre Dame. So uh, for Notre Dame, it's a win. And we'll probably get to a little bit more on that in a second because we get to see Steve Angeli throw a pass in the first half of a football game for the first time ever in his career. He's never done that. He didn't throw a pass at all in 2022. Every single pass that he threw, all 25 of them this year, came in the second half. So for Hartman, for the people who are saying after the Wake Forest game when he said, yeah, I got two more left, I took that as more of a Notre Dame has two more games left in this season no matter what, not a Sam Hartman has two more games left to start at Notre Dame type of thing. So kind of like you, Darren, you you said we were feeling this coming down the pipe. I'm not very surprised that this happened. And if you're still kind of hung up on it, man, this is one of those things that you should get over and process within 30 minutes of that video that you mentioned coming out. Watch the five-minute video and then give yourself half an hour to kind of process it because it should be something pretty easy to move on from. Tyler, since you're a writer, let me ask you this question. Let's say 10 years from now you get to write a chapter about Notre Dame football and your chapter is on Sam Hartman's one year at the University of Notre Dame. What would be maybe the biggest point you would write about? I would actually kind of give props to another writer, my colleague, my coworker, Jack Sobel. I thought in very concise fashion he he wrote a very nice column on kind of the year that was for Sam Hartman. And his point was, and I agree with it totally, so this is how I'll answer your question, was it everything that Sam Hartman wanted it to be? Was it everything that Notre Dame fans wanted it to be in terms of on-field success, wins, losses? Absolutely not. Notre Dame went 9-3. and three. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that Notre Dame could have went 9-3 and three with. But did it kind of put Notre Dame on the map and give Notre Dame a coolness factor, kind of like Marcus Freeman did a couple of years ago? Notre Dame hasn't been cool because of a quarterback since Brady Quinn, probably. I mean, Jimmy Clausen didn't even have that, and then all the guys over the last 15 years didn't have that. So the way that Brady Quinn made Notre Dame, like you root for Notre Dame because Brady Quinn was there and he's a good-looking quarterback and he's got a strong arm and he throws it all over the field. Sam Hartman kind of had that to him. And, yeah, Notre Dame went 9-3 and and didn't reach the college football playoff, missed the New Year's Six, all of those things. I mean, they're in the Sun Bowl. That's not where any of Notre Dame fans wanted this team to end up at the end of this year. But, man, the journey and the ride, you couldn't look away from it, for better or worse. Because one moment, Sam Hartman's running for 18 yards on 4th and 16, and they pull victory from the jaws of defeat against Duke. But, you know, then there's the interceptions against Louisville and the pick six against Clemson and, uh, you know, the, the, the opportunities to get the fourth down conversions against Ohio State. You would have won that ball game if you did that. So, for better or worse, you couldn't look away and in 10 years I think it's going to be really easy to look back at 2023 and if you follow this season closely kind of remember like holy cow Notre Dame was always a talking point for better or worse in that season because the quarterback was such of a, a lightning rod really Sam Hartman was a lightning rod in college football and you say like the, the video was bizarre it was but only a guy like Sam Hartman can pull that off like I don't even know if 
Caleb Williams does a, a five-minute video, people, <laughs> people would be like, what the heck is going on here? It's Sam Hartman, so it's just kind of par for the course. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Since we last spoke, Notre Dame has added two wide receivers from the transfer portal. They were able to bring in a couple of veteran wide receivers. You got Chris Mitchell from Florida International and Bo Collins from Clemson. What is your early thoughts on what this coaching staff was able to add to the wide receiver room? Yeah, I would first just say be cautious because yes you know chris mitchell put all of those numbers up uh, against the competition that he was going against at florida international which is not exactly top tier talent defensively and then bo collins i put it on twitter he never really had that breakout year but was that because clemson the offense there is just you think notre dame's offense is broken i mean that offense has been really broken since trevor lawrence left so Maybe he could refine himself and have his best year. I think that is possible. So uh, be cautious, but then you kind of got to be optimistic as well because, yeah, I think Collins can have his best year. Is Chris Mitchell going to match those numbers that he had, be a 1,000-yard receiver at Notre Dame? I don't think so, but you watch his highlight reel and you say, I don't know why he couldn't do some of those things at Notre Dame. If you know the play calling is right and the quarterback is right and all those things, all those things matter for a wide receiver for sure, but – Look, as soon as all those wide receivers entered the portal after the Chancey Stucky thing went down, you're going to have to bring in some guys because the numbers were just – I mean, they were low to begin with. Now they're astronomically astronomically low. But you get Chris Mitchell and you get Bo Collins, and, and maybe they're not done here, which, which would be a nice thing for Notre Dame to add maybe one or two more. But the two guys that they got, clearly productive where they were. You hope for the same at Notre Dame, and I think that could be the case. I'm really curious who's going to get Josh Kelly from Washington State. That's the guy that really yeah. intrigues me. Have you heard at all? Is Notre Dame at least in the conversation? Is there any buzz about him at all here in South Bend? Yeah, I think they were in the conversation more at the beginning, and he, he's a guy that's really taken the visits. And what does Mike Singer always say? You follow the visits. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is, you know. There's some schools, I can't remember off the top of my head what those schools are, but this that's how much we've been doing here. Like last week, I could have told you, bam, 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 here are the schools. I don't think Notre Dame is at the top of that list anymore. And it kind of, you know, when you get a Chris Mitchell and then you get a Bo Collins, the likelihood of getting a guy like Kelly starts going down because you can't get them all, right? The transfer portal is vast. There's a lot of guys in there, but there's a lot of teams that want these guys and you can't get them all, so... I would be shocked if he ends up at Notre Dame at this point, but they, they definitely gave it a little bit of a run at the beginning, but they ended up going to the guys that they knew that they could get, and they've got a couple, and they might get another one. Were you surprised that Howard Cross came back for a sixth year? I was. I really was, because I thought that he kind of parlayed not just this year's success, but last year's as well. He's been a really good player for two years now. It wasn't just this year into a chance at going to the NFL. So he's one of those guys where – I was asking myself, what more could he really do to enhance his draft stock? Like, I think it's as high right now as it could ever be. So, I don't know. Maybe he's working on some sort of graduate degree that needs another year. And he says, yeah, I'll play another year in Notre Dame football to go along with it or something like that. But I was surprised because I really thought that he was a guy that could go to the NFL. And, I mean, look, probably a day three pick this year. But I think he's going to be a day three pick next year as well. So, a little bit surprised. Hmm. He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. 
I've been going back and forth, direct messages with Tim Murray from VEASAN. You hear him on Game Day Sports Beat talk about Notre Dame football and sports wagering. And let me tell you, Tyler, Tim is all in on Riley Leonard of Duke being Notre Dame's quarterback next year. And as we know, Riley had a visit here at the University of Notre Dame. And I'm a little more lukewarm. I'm not as excited as Tim is. And I think that's kind of what we're hearing from the Notre Dame fan base. You either really, really like it or you're very, very cautious about it. I'm wondering your thoughts. I'm cautious, and I will uh, – Since we probably have – there's a little bit of overlap in people who listen to this and people who read blueandgold.com, no doubt. If you're a diehard Notre Dame fan, you should be doing both. But I will tip my hat a little bit and say that we are prepared for the commitment. We think it could be coming at any time now. I wouldn't be shocked if I hung up the phone with you, looked at my phone, and said, oh, crap. I need to post some of these stories that I have ready to go. And one of those stories is, hey, man, the Sam Hartman thing is a cautionary tale for Notre Dame fans because we thought it was going to be one thing. It ended up being something a little bit different, like I was mentioning earlier. It wasn't exactly everything that he wanted it to be or what Notre Dame fans wanted it to be. So I think that could be the case with Riley Leonard. Don't It's skiing season now, Darren. Don't get a little too far ahead out over your skis because you could tumble – all the way down the mountain, and that's not something that Notre Dame fans want to do again. So I'm definitely on the cautious side of, of the two parties that you kind of listed there. I guess my biggest concern is this, Tyler. I think he still is a guy that is developing as a quarterback. I'm still in that line of thinking that he has work to do in his progressions and in a pro-style offense, you got to be able to do that. And I talked to someone who analyzes quarterbacks, and they said he's an average to a below-average deep ball thrower of the football. Now, he has some it factors. He is a terrific runner of the football, but against a really good Notre Dame defense, he was 11 of 27. So I'm just yeah. thinking that for a guy that was supposed to be a first-round pick when the Notre Dame Duke game happened. We heard those rumblings. He'd be in the NFL right now if he was a guy that threw the football adequately. So it just feels like Notre Dame's getting a guy that has first-round potential, but he's not going to the draft because he's still not fully developed. And can they do that? Yeah, it kind of feels like I make this comparison, and people probably think it's a little too lofty. And, look, I'm not saying that he is this guy, but he feels a little Josh Allen to me, but it's like Josh Allen like. It's like Kmart Josh Allen or sure. something like that because he's, he's big. He's got the arm strength. He can run. I mean, boy, can he run. When he couldn't pass, and you mentioned 11 for 27, they just straight up went to quarterback power and quarterback sweeps and quarterback zones. I mean, that was their offense against Notre Dame. It's been a reason that they were in a position to win, albeit a very ugly football game. If Duke won that game, it would have been 14 to 13. But he can do some of those things. I don't know if you're a Notre Dame fan. That's what you want your offense to be, but it's gonna have to. You're gonna have to tailor the offense to adapt to his strengths a little bit, and those are his strengths. You can't just be in love with arm strength because he has plenty of that. How much accuracy does he have? Accuracy on the deep ball, like you said, but even accuracy on the short and intermediate passes as well. I'm not sure that he's that guy that is gonna dink and dunk and, and dissect the defense all the way down the field. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some deficiencies in his game, but is he a really good player? Yeah, of course. It's kind of like it's the Sam Hartman thing all over again, and that's why I brought up that example earlier. But he's a different player than Sam Hartman. So you're going to get some of the same worries, and, and maybe the offense isn't functioning the way that you want it to throughout the course of a game, but it's just going to look a little bit different 
when it looks bad with Riley Leonard, it's going to look bad in a different way. But it, it could still look bad. But again, it could still look good as well. So he's not a surefire thing. I'll, I'll say that. The one thing I will say, Tyler, whoever the quarterback is, and if it is Riley Leonard next year, I think he'll have this advantage over Sam Hartman. And this is not a criticism of the person I'm going to mention. It's just the realities of a situation. But Gino Gadouli came into town as the quarterback coach. He had to learn the offense, and he was learning the offense as he was teaching it. And I, I can't yeah. imagine that is an easy thing to do, even for an experienced coach, because you have all the terminology and everything that goes into learning a brand-new offense. He was learning it as he was teaching it to Sam Hartman. Gadouli will have a year under his belt, so I think that at least gives the next quarterback a fighter's chance. And you know what? That might be an underrated conversation point when you talk about Sam Hartman this year at Notre Dame. We've talked about play calling and the offensive coordinator and wide receivers and this and that. That, to me, is kind of something that possibly has not been mentioned enough that could have affected Sam Hartman and the offense throughout this season. Yeah, it is kind of funny. I, I have thought about that at points throughout the season, that when we talk about the struggles of this Notre Dame offense, we never talk about Gino Gadouli and maybe that there is something to that for sure. And I, I definitely agree with you that he was kind of learning as he was teaching. And that that's a very tough spot to be in because that, that'd be like putting somebody who's learning how to fly up in a plane. And the <laughs> co-pilot is someone who doesn't know how to fly at all and be like, all right, guys, let's, let's get from point A to point B hundred percent safely. That's not really a position that you want to be in. So comfort's definitely going to be a factor. And I think he's a heck of a coach too. I mean, he was a coordinator at Cincinnati, obviously. So he's a smart guy. He's a trusted guy. Uh, and I think that he's going to be probably more of a factor. And I, I think honestly, he might've been a little bit of a factor coming down the stretch here too. I know they were against really bad defenses, but the Notre Dame offense did look a little different in those last couple of games. And I'm not going to say that, you know, Gadouli had nothing to do with that because I think he might have. Tyler, you watched the Texas-Oklahoma State game in person. I mean, you look at the four teams that made the playoff, um, Alabama, Texas, Washington, Michigan. Those, to me, I think we take those teams, even though they're really different, those four teams, and you try to see where Notre Dame is compared to them. Defensively, yeah. even though Notre Dame does not have that great pass rush, they're playoff caliber. Special teams is an above-average group. Offensively, though, the inconsistencies, and they weren't very good against the better teams on their schedule. As you kind of throw everything into a pot, I mean, how close do you think Notre Dame is from the teams that we're going to be watching play in the playoffs in a couple of weeks? Yeah, fans aren't going to like hearing this, but talent-wise, I mean, they're right there. I was looking at a tweet, and I wish I could ramble off these teams off the top of my head, but I don't know. There were maybe five to seven teams that had at least three AP All-American first-teamers or second-teamers. Uh, we're talking Alabama. I think Texas was in there. Washington. Yeah. Uh, those types of teams. I've got it right here for and, you. Alabama yeah. had five, Notre Dame four, Georgia four, with three, Missouri, Washington, Iowa, Texas, and Oregon. And what is the common denominator except for yep. one team? Yep. Notre Dame is the only one among those teams that did not win at least 10 games this season. And that tells you that the talent is there, 
but I think the coaching and just the operation. It's and, player execution, remember? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But coaches have so much to do with that. You know what? You could say execution. And I wish Marcus Freeman would have done this in those press conferences where he kept harping on that word. But you can say it's the execution because the coaches aren't. You know, that, that, that's another other cliche is we're not putting the guys in a position to be successful. And I know people hate hearing that. But that's the blame. That's that's the coaching equivalent of, hey, it's on the execution. So we probably should have heard that, uh, even if you don't want to hear that, hear that a little bit more this season. But yeah, I mean, the common denominator there, it's it's a tough pill because you do have an Xavier Watts, you do have Audrey Estime, Joe Alt, uh, Howard Cross is ending up on these teams. Like you have All America type players, but you didn't get the most out of them. That tends to fall on coaching if you ask me all right finally i mentioned this to my listeners at the start of the program we have all these notre dame topics to get to this week and i feel like the bowl games at the bottom of the barrel i'm just i'm just wondering just as someone that covers the irish that goes to every single game home or away your excitement level for the bowl game and your excitement level to even write about oregon state and notre dame yeah, it's we weird. actually just put together our preview magazine for the bowl game, and it, it'll be coming out this week, Blue and Gold. Uh, go to blueandgoldonline.com, and you can order that magazine. It was tough to write about. One, because I had to study long and hard for both teams. <laughs> Who the heck's playing in this thing? And that, that's not just a Sun Bowl thing. That's, that's a bowl game thing everywhere at this point. But, yeah, it, I mean, I'm from Texas, Darren, and I've never been to El Paso, so – that shows you how far out in the booties that it is. <laughs> and it's not really position A if you're going to Texas and you say, yeah, I'm going to El Paso. People will probably say why not have fun or what's going on there. So location probably isn't very enticing for fans and media and those types of things. And then, look, Oregon State's playing a third-string quarterback. Notre Dame's playing a second-string quarterback. I have a pretty good inclination that – Audrick Estime is going to opt out here pretty soon. Why would Joe Alt play in this game? He hasn't announced that yet. I, I bet you that's coming down the pipe in a little bit. So, I mean, uh, how many more reasons do you need for me to tell you that this thing is not exactly um, – let, let's put it this way. If you're looking forward to bowl season, you're probably – the Sun Bowl isn't really circled on however many – what are there, 30, 40 of these things? I don't think the Sun Bowl is very high at the at top of the list. Unfortunately, no, but you know what? Good for them. They sold out in no time. <laughs> yeah, maybe people are looking forward to going up. And I, I will say that as well. Because I've never been there, and I call that state my home, I am kind of excited to go to El Paso. And I booked my trip last week, and I'll be spending four nights in El Paso. So I'm getting the most out of it. There's some media opportunities there, and I'll be covering all of them. So just because it maybe is not the most exciting bowl game that Notre Dame's ever been to, we're going to treat it the same way that we always do at Blue and Gold. We're going to cover the heck out of it, so you can guarantee that. All right. What is your route from South Bend to El Paso? So I'm actually going to go home for Christmas, okay. and I will be flying southwest from Dallas Love Field to El Paso, which okay, that's actually a pretty hot route because Southwest originated there in Dallas, and, I mean, they used to fly all over Texas. So I got lucky. But if you're trying to go from – I don't know, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, one of those bigger cities, uh, I guarantee you some connections are in your future. Yeah, I'm wondering what the connection is for South Bend Media. <laughs> it could be yeah. very, very interesting. 
All right. Well, Tyler, thanks for checking in. Greatly appreciate your your analysis and your opinions on a very interesting week for Notre Dame football, and I'm sure more to come. So we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Darren. That's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Your time is 554. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 559 at WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day from way back when, before vacation time, a week ago Friday, what is your level of concern about the 2024 Notre Dame football season? This is when all of the portal guys were announcing and Chancey Stuckey had been dismissed as wide receiver coach. I gave you three choices, very concerned, starting to get concerned, things will work out. 26% of you said your level of concern about the 2024 Notre Dame football season. I'm starting to get a little concerned. 31% went with very concerned. But those of you that were able to take a deep breath and know it's a long offseason, things are going to, I guess, come and go on the roster. Winning the vote. 43% said, you know what, 2024 football season, things will work out. That was an interesting vote. I wasn't sure who was going to win that vote. I mean, you lost Rico Flores Jr., Tobias Merriweather, Braylon James, who, by the way, picked TCU today. Good luck to him, the freshman wide receiver for the Irish in 2023. Going to play for TCU. I think that's where Nano Osafa Mensa went as well. But yeah, good patience shown by those of you that decided to go with things will work out, and they're starting to work themselves out with Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins joining the wide receiving core. Here's the question that I put out on Twitter X yesterday, and the voting continues into tomorrow. Notre Dame offensive tackle Joe Alt could be a top 10 pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Should he play in the Sun Bowl against Oregon State? You can vote yes, you can vote no. And you can vote yes or no on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. Just go to Twitter X, search 960Sportsbeat, and vote on today's question. Notre Dame offensive tackle Joe Alt. Could be a top 10 pick in the 2024 NFL Draft should he play in the Sun Bowl against Oregon State, yes or no. We will have the results on tomorrow's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, plus a brand-new question. Tomorrow in the 5 o'clock hour, ABC 57's Allison Hayes rejoins me for Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. The publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com Eric Hansen, he'll be back with me on Wednesday and Thursday to talk Notre Dame football. A couple of minutes after 6 o'clock, the Notre Dame-Clemson National Championship game for soccer is scheduled to get started here. If it has not 
already. We'll check that out as well. But plenty more to get to. Another hour of Sports Beat coming up here on WSBT Radio. A very interesting college football broadcasting survey that shows us that many of you who have an opinion about the Notre Dame NBC broadcast, you're not alone. Also coming up, we'll talk some NFL Sunday. We've got a doubleheader in Monday Night Football tonight, and we have some sizzler picks at the end of tonight's program. My name is Darren Pritchett. Good to be back with you. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers. Happy holidays from United Beverage Company of South Bend sports fans. This Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's adult and graduate studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Fifteen minutes after six o'clock on this Monday evening. Welcome back to the program. My name is Darren Pritchett. Good to be back with you after a week of vacation time. Call a little hockey up in East Lansing. Otherwise, a little casual time in the evening. Notre Dame and Clemson underway in the men's soccer national championship game down in Louisville. They're about six minutes into the first half, and the two sides are scoreless. Notre Dame, the number two seed, Clemson number nine, and Notre Dame almost just scored as I was passing along that information. The Clemson goaltender just made a terrific save on a shot from... Goodness, probably about 15 feet away. So, they're underway down in Louisville. If something happens, we will let you know during the course of our program. I am going to change course for a second because something just popped up during the last commercial break that is definitely worth talking about. And that is what Shohei Otani is allowing the Dodgers to do. You know Shohei Otani, the L.A. Angels pitcher and slugger, one of the most unique players in Major League Baseball history, and the Dodgers and Otani agreed to a 10-year, $700 million contract. $70 million per year to play baseball. It's like $432,000 a game. Think about that for a moment. Just, just incredible. Despite the fact how good he is, 
that feels like an overpay. I'm not sure anybody was going to get close to that, but eh, it's just dollar bills for the L.A. Dodgers. Here's the news that just came out. We had heard that Otani, during the negotiation, said, I'll defer my money after my career. A good chunk of the money will be passed along to Otani in years to come. But we just found out what we're talking about here, and you're not going to believe this. Ten years, $700 million, which comes out to $70 million per year. Otani and the Dodgers have agreed that Otani, every year for those 10 years, will get $2 million. The other $68 million per year will be deferred from like 2032 through 2040-something. So the Dodgers get arguably the best player on the planet, 10 years, $700 million, but... On their books each year while he's a Dodger, it costs him $2 million. He is deferring $68 million per year. It's a nice problem to have, first of all. But it just doesn't seem like that is in the best interest of baseball. You're getting a supreme talent for $2 million. Now, I know they have to pay it down the line. But now you can absolutely load up your roster. Because you've got $68 million to work with that you didn't maybe thought you were going to have. This is very similar, although this, I think, is on a grander scale, more impressive that (laughs) something like this can occur that could benefit a team. But what do we hear in the NFL? When you draft a rookie quarterback, you've got a four- or five-year window to have what maybe turns out to be a great player at quarterback at a low dollar, and you can load up the rest of your team. Exactly what the Seattle Seahawks were able to do almost a decade ago when they drafted Russell Wilson out of Wisconsin in the third round. They had him on a rookie contract, and man, did they load up their roster. Won a Super Bowl, probably should have won a second, but throwing the ball from the one-yard line, instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch, allowed the New England Patriots to steal another Super Bowl. But that's the closest comparison I can come to, but this is on a grander scale. Otani for $2 million and you defer $68 million per year? My heavens, that's just absolutely stunning. And you might be asking yourself, what about the other owners in Major League Baseball? Or can Major League Baseball not allow this to take place? That question has already been answered by Jeff Passan, the baseball insider of ESPN. He points us all to the collective bargaining agreement. I'll get specific. Article 16, this article is in reference to deferred compensation. According to Article 16 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement, there shall be no limitations on either the amount of deferred compensation or the percentage of total compensation attributable to deferred compensation for which a uniform player's contract may provide. What Otani and the Dodgers are pulling off 
is absolutely legal, and no one can do anything about it. $2 million per year, 68 deferred over 10 years. The Dodgers have an incredible opportunity to put together one of the best rosters you could possibly do. I mean, they already have a top four of their lineup that's off the chart incredible. It's like an all-star team. You probably have Mookie Betts leading off. You got Shohei Otani hitting second, Freddie Freeman third, and Will Smith fourth. Good luck. And who's the first team that gets to face them? I guess the Padres and the Dodgers play in Korea. But then the first home series for the Dodgers against the St. Louis Cardinals and new starting pitcher Sonny Gray. Sonny, aren't you glad you signed with the birds on the bats now? You get to be the number one starter, and you get to face that in your first start of your Cardinal career. That will keep you up at night. So, yeah, everything I mentioned is going to be legal. Nobody can do anything about it. Personally, I don't think it's in the best interest of baseball because they could go get Yurimoto, that Japanese pitcher that's 25 years old. They can get Bellinger back if they want. I mean, they can do whatever they want. They have so much coin sitting around, and this allows them to really, really attack free agency. So there you go. That's the latest news. Can you imagine? He's got $680 million waiting for him at the end of this 10-year contract. And who knows? He might have a couple more contracts after that if he continues to play at a high level. But he's got $680 million waiting for him. And the Dodgers are going to be a favorite to win the World Series for many, many years to come. All right, 23 minutes after 6 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. When we come back, let's reset the top story of the day. Notre Dame starting quarterback Sam Hartman has had a change of heart. He's not going to play in the Sun Bowl. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Hartman steps up, throwing deep again, and it is gone for a touchdown. Hartman, though, lofts it up, looking for six, got it. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. Hartman pulls it back, looking end zone, touchdown, Deacons. Hartman throws, caught, touchdown. Hartman on a nice read will hop skip his way to sixth. Welcome back, Sam Hartman. Hartman to the end, banks the catch, touchdown Lake Forest, what a throw. 23 years old, he's seen about everything, and that just helps calm the rest of his team down. Hartman going to carry it to the end zone, touchdown. Well, some of the action of Sam Hartman through the years at Wake Forest and Notre Dame. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. 
Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Quick update, Clemson-Notre Dame men's soccer national championship game. Well, still nothing, nothing with 22 and a half minutes to go in the first half. Clemson had a corner kick a couple of moments ago. The save was made, and we remain scoreless down in Louisville. Well, if you haven't heard the news, Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman has had a change of heart. He had talked about playing in the Sun Bowl, playing that one more game with Notre Dame, one final game in college football, but something happened along the way, and Sam Hartman has decided to opt out of the 2023 Sun Bowl against Oregon State. And Notre Dame, through social media, has confirmed what you all are thinking, that Steve Angeli will be the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish against the Beavers down in El Paso. So we all thought, at least based on Sam's words, that he was going to play in this game. A lot of personnel have left this program, and let's be honest, the thought was ReliQuest Bowl, Pop-Tarts Bowl, those were the main two options for this Fighting Irish football team. But there has been some conjecture that the ACC might have caused Notre Dame to slip further down the line. We'll have to wait and see if we get any more information on that. But it's just very bizarre for bowl games like the ReliQuest and the Pop-Tarts to pass on Notre Dame. When you pass on Notre Dame, you pass on a lot of tickets being sold, a lot of eyeballs watching your game on television. We know the history of Notre Dame. We know the impact of having Notre Dame in a bowl game. And look at the Sun Bowl. 141% increase in ticket sales or something wild. I'm not sure exactly what the number was, but they sold out in no time. And let's be honest, Oregon State is a football program that's been up and down through the years. They're going to be an independent soon. Maybe a tie-in with the Mountain West for their football schedule. But it's not exactly a team that would bring a lot of people through the turnstiles in the Sun Bowl. This is because of Notre Dame. So for the Irish to fall to the Sun Bowl is absolutely bizarre. And there has to be more to the story. There has to be something that the ACC pulled here leading to this. It's very unfortunate to the administration, the coaches, and the players here at Notre Dame. And I don't mean to be shooting down the Sun Bowl, but come on, we know the pecking order of things. And this is way, way down the ACC order of bowls. So does that have something to do with Sam's decision? You know, it it could. But you would have to think it's more about the personnel lost and his ability to put on a really good performance that would help him in the next step of his life, and that is trying to persuade and show NFL executives that he can help one of the 32 teams in the National Football League. Right now, his draft status seems to be, at best, seventh round, most likely an undrafted free agent that will get an opportunity somewhere to be a part of off-season practice. I remember Tommy Reese was kind of that extra throw of the football for Washington. He only lasted, I think, one day 
with the old Washington Redskins football team, now the Washington Commanders. So there could be opportunities, but it's an uphill battle. One year in a pro system for Sam Hartman, and it did not go as planned for Notre Dame or Sam Hartman. You look at the final numbers. He completed 63.5% of his throws, 2,689 yards in 12 games, 24 touchdown passes, 8 interceptions. Sam also was number two on this football team in rushing touchdowns with three, ended up with 123 rushing yards in 45 attempts. But as we all know, If you're listening to this program, I know I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but against the best teams, this defense averaged 19 points per game against the teams that were weak, well, 47 points per game. That's a big, big difference. And as I'm talking, Clemson just took a 1-0 lead on Notre Dame in the national championship game with 18-17 to go. In the first half, so the Irish are going to have to come from behind to win the championship. But still, a long way to go in this game. You look at the personnel around Sam Hartman in this Sun Bowl game. Blake Fisher, the right tackle, is not going to play. We assume that Joe Alt, the left tackle, is not going to play. Haven't heard that officially. I know I printed out the InsideIndieSports.com depth chart before the show because I hadn't had the time to kind of go through what the depth chart looks like now, and I'm thankful for Eric Hansen and Tyler James for doing that. So I printed it out just to take a look, and Joe is still on the depth chart because as of now, he's still playing. Same for running back Audrick Estime. You look at Sam Hartman's receivers in the Sun Bowl. Had he played, it would have been a bunch of guys who had a limited role throughout the season getting a bigger opportunity. Now, maybe the offense is going to have success because I ran through all the opt-outs for Oregon State in this game. Leading tackler, not playing. Fourth leading tackler, no. The guy who led them with two interceptions and seven pass breakups, he's not going to play. So it's a defense without some of their key parts. But at the end of the day, Sam, for whatever reason, has decided to opt out. And this opens the door for Steve Angeli to make his first collegiate start. Played in seven games this year, and when he was given the opportunity in mop-up role, he handled things extremely well. 19 of 25, a 76% completion percentage, 272 yards, four touchdowns with one interception. And so Steve Angeli is your guy, and you look at the leaders in receiving, Mitchell Evans had 29 to lead the way. ACL won't play. Rico Flores Jr., 27 catches. He's in the transfer portal. Chris Tyree, 26 catches, third on the squad. He's going to play for the University of Virginia against the Fighting Irish next year. Audric Estime and Jaden Thomas with 17 catches. Estime may play, more than likely opts out. Jaden Thomas, ready to go. Jaden Greathouse, 16 catches, ready to go. Holden stays, 15 catches, transfer portal. Tobias Merrither, 14 catches, transfer portal. Jordan Faison, 14 catches, he's ready to go. Those are the guys with at least 14 catches and who's in and 
who's out. Plus, you might not have both of your tackles, which might make you a little nervous as a quarterback. But it is a unique situation in college football now. Unfortunately, folks, this feels like reality unless rules are changed. All these bowl games we have enjoyed for years, let's face it, they've been glorified exhibitions for a long, long time. It is an opportunity for you as a fan to see your team play one more time. It's an opportunity for each team to be together one more time and a chance for a little glory, maybe an extra win in the win-loss record books. But that's kind of it. There's no momentum going into next year. There's no, we lost 55 nothing. we're doomed next year. You won 55 nothing. we're going to win the national title. It's just an extra game. And now, more than ever, it's an extra game. And I just wonder, are we going to get to the point where sponsorship is going to dry up of these bowl games? I mean, that's a major, major financial boost for these bowl games. If you lose the sponsors because... We're just starting to see these games diminish because the rosters are just getting ripped apart by the way college football is being administered today. Could we have a day in which it's just kind of the playoff and that's it? I mean, that's possible. The 12-team playoff is really going to wet our whistle to extra football each and every year. Are you going to miss the bowl games? If Notre Dame would miss the playoff next year, if there were no bowl games, would you miss it? Or is this reality souring you on bowl games? I mean, let's face it. It is nice to have an extra Notre Dame football game to watch. You only get, as Marcus has talked about, a guaranteed 12 games every year. This makes it 13, and it is fun. But, boy, we just wish it was under different circumstances for both fan bases. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We've got some sports wagering talk to get to here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Once again, national championship game for men's soccer down in Louisville. The Clemson Tigers have grabbed a 1-0 lead on the Fighting Irish. They've got 14 minutes to go in the first half. All right, come on, Irish, pick it up. Let's get it tied up. Sports Beat on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 